Before we jump into the passage this morning, I want to talk to our young ones and tell you all what this passage is going to be about, what the sermon is going to be about, okay? Uh, so, first, remember, <clears throat> we're in the book of Romans. We've been in the book of Romans. We're at the end, okay? We're at the end of the book of Romans. But remember, at the very beginning, you get the main verse of what Romans is all about. Romans 1.16, where Paul the Apostle says this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And that sounds weird, like, why to the Jew first and also to the Greek? R remember, uh, it, it's, it's like this. Who here likes fruit? Last week we talked about eggs and sugar. Okay, fruit. What would it be? Cantaloupe. Ugh, cantaloupe. I cannot stand cantaloupe. You like the smell of cantaloupe? It smells funny. Okay, cantaloupe. Okay, R my, Ryan loves cantaloupe. You're not alone. Okay. Now, what's, uh, Grace, what's your favorite? Honeydew. Y'all are melon people. That's a melon, right? Okay, cool. Okay, apples. Anybody love apples? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about apples, y'all. Okay, uh, red apples. Green. Anybody like green apples? The really sour stuff. We've got one person. Okay, you need sour apples for all kinds of stuff. But you got red apples, green apples, yellow apples. You got purple apples. You don't. Uh, but it, there's this really cool thing that you can do with apples. You know, apples come from an, and they'll cut it in half. Okay, so they'll cut like the part that's like growing and has got apples on it already. They'll cut it in half so that all you have now is like a skinny three foot stump. And then what they'll do is. They'll take branches. They can take like four branches from four different kinds of apple trees and they can bring all these branches together and somehow like they don't use glue. I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't know how they do it, but gardener magic, they can graft, they can attach these like, the branches that did in. You'll have it, this crazy new tree where on one side you'll have like green pink leaves and then you'll have these different four different kinds of of apples on growing on one tree. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's true. You can really do this. Uh, and Paul is going to tell us today that that is what the church looks like. like that's what the church is like. So, so if we're going to look at that picture of the apple tree, young ones, what is like the cutting off of that first apple tree? What might that be a picture of? If you know where I'm going to go with this, if it's like the church, what's that What's that a picture of, of that first tree getting cut off? Talk about. Jesus. It's, it's a picture of Jesus being cut off. Think about this. It's a picture of like Jesus, the original apple tree. He is cut off in order to bring new apples, new branches into the tree. He's cut off. In the, so who are the branches and who are those four different kinds of apples? Look around. It's y'all. It's us. It's the church. It's a picture of the church being, you know, branches that did not belong. Now they are brought in and they belong. And, and here's the last thing. Here's the crazy awesome thing is those branches don't attach themselves. Someone else comes and attaches those branches to the tree. And that's a picture of like, that's what God does. God gathers each of us and we're all different. You know, some of us are really sweet apples. Some of us are sour apples. Uh, and, and God brings all of us together to make this new beautiful tree. We have all different kinds of people all together because of Jesus. This is what Paul is going to tell us about because of Jesus. All these in Jesus that we may not have anything else in common. As you look around at these people, you're like, 
Man, none of these people are like me. You should look around. We may not have anything else in common, young ones, except the most important thing we all have in common together, which is Jesus, his life for us, his death for you and for you and for you and for you that gives us all that same salvation. So if you think about this, like right now we're living together, week to week, Sunday to Sunday we're living together. Do you all know because of Jesus, look around, we will live together forever. And not just this church, but the church all across the world that looks so different, but we're actually one, and all because of Jesus. This is where we are in the book of Romans. At the very end, he's, he's coming back in this incredible way to say what he started to say at the beginning, what he's been saying the whole time. Uh, and it might not look like that at first glance because the end of this letter is all these personal greetings, stuff we usually skip over. But we're not going to skip over today. Please stand for the reading of God's word, Romans 16, 1 to 16. I'm going to try to say these names best I can. Here we go. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, uh, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Uh, so, okay, there was, maybe you've heard of this. There's this violinist in D.C., Metro. Uh, you can read about this in Washington Post. Joshua Bell, uh, who is the world's greatest violinist, uh, according to some, he went to D.C. Metro Station. He opened up a violin case. He got out a $3.5 million Stradivarius violin, and he started to play. In less than an hour, a 1,000 people walked right by him. Nobody, barely anybody actually stopped. Even fewer tossed money, uh, and, and really they did it out of guilt. Some did it out of habit. Uh, and, and some of history's greatest music being played by one of history's greatest musicians on one of history's greatest instruments. And, when, and everybody treated it like it was not important. It was forgetful. And what they did is they missed the beauty right in front of them. And this personal greeting stuff, is a, it's actually a common ending 
for Paul to end his letters and is probably about as, uh, about as exciting to us as all those genealogies that you read about, Old Testament and the Gospels, it would be a great mistake to pass this by and miss the beauty that is right in your face. This stuff is gold right here in Romans 16. Like all those genealogies, which we're going to come back to at another point, uh, th- these personal greetings are revealing something wonderful. And let's just start with what was obvious to the church in Rome, but maybe it's not, maybe it's not as obvious to us. Half of these greetings are directed to women. So Paul praises these women, their character and their contribution and their ministry in the church as much as he does the men. Greet Phoebe. Make sure she has whatever she needs to keep doing her work in the church. Greet Prisca, fellow worker who risked her neck, who risked her life to save Paul's life. Uh, This Junia uh, was a fellow prisoner She's been imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, like Paul. Uh, greet Mary, and it says, who worked hard in the Lord. That's re- that, you know, that is so easy to just pass by. Like, it, it's actually really, really strong language that whatever, whatever ministry Mary contributed to the church, it was not easy. It cost her dearly. And the same thing is said of Persis. These are Christian women who suffered greatly for the sake of the gospel, and Paul holds these women up uh, as much as the men as a model for all time to the church, for serving Christ and the church. And this is what Paul has been saying in Romans, this is what he's been saying in his previous letters, women are equal to men, wives are equal to husbands. This is, this is the stuff Paul claimed, nobody, that was unheard of in Roman society. Okay, and then here's another obvious point to us. It's so obvious that we just we glance over it. These names, they're weird. They're, they're strange. They're foreign to us. And, and, you know, what's in a name? You can actually tell a lot about a name. Uh, we know, actually, from the first 15 chapters that the church in Rome is made up of Jews and Gentiles. Okay? A community like that, these enemies, uh, you don't walk into a bar and expect to see Jew and Gentiles. You don't walk into any kind of place. like It's like a bad joke. This isn't supposed to make sense. This is unheard of in Roman society. And, and a lot of these greetings that we read about here at the end, the, a lot of these are Gentile names. Because no Jew back in the first century is going to be recently a kid. I, remember, I can't remember how this came up, uh, but, but something along the lines of like, you know, you're going to heaven and you're meeting Jesus. What are you going to say to you? You know, we're th- you know it's, a, it's a really good question. And one of you said, w- w- like, what if you got to heaven and, and, you, and Jesus meets you and you, you yell out, Jesus! And, and he calls you by name. And he embraces you. He hugs you. He kisses you. And he tells you, I'm so happy you're here. But listen, it's actually pronounced Jesus. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been saying it wrong all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Justice Christ. <laughs> um, I actually am starting to prefer more, more, more Taika Watiti's uh, pronunciation in the Hunt for Wilderfell. Jesus, I, said, I promise you, I did not pronounce all of these names right here in the reading of that passage. But these names, they tell us tons and tons and tons. Some of these names 
you would actually associate with upper class. Like, like kind of like Cartier or Louis Vuitton. There, there are names like that. And some of these names you would associate with lower class. Some of these names are like Ricky Bobby kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's true. And, and some of these greetings that, that Paul is greeting here with, they're directed to slaves. Half the population in Rome was part of the slave class. So in verses 10 and 11, that phrase that gets translated, greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus, however you say that name, and the family of Narcissus, it means the household of, which is a common way of referring to slaves of a certain household. So the church in Rome was made up of upper class, socially elite Romans. It's very possible that two of these names there, the ones that I can't pronounce, Aristobulus and, and Narcissus, were, were actually in the cohort of the emperor himself, like trusted advisors to the emperor. There are other historical documents that name these guys. Um, and so you got socially elite people, and there were slaves who were members of the church in Rome. You have masters, rich worshiping with poor, masters worshiping with slaves in local churches. And in the church, they are equals. That is unheard of in Roman society. Women and men, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, slave and master. This is an unheard of gathering except in the church. And it is because who the church is in. You know, the key to all this is that phrase that you see over and over and over, and it's an easy one to just glance over and like, hey, well, okay, okay. Greet Phoebe, verse 2, in the Lord. Greet Prisca and Aquila, verse 3, in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, greet Impliatus, my beloved, in the Lord, and on and on, in the Lord, in Jesus, in Christ. Fellow worker in Christ, approved in Christ, chosen in the Lord. And then Paul says, and these, these greetings of mine are not just my greetings. Uh, these, are, these are greetings. He says, all the churches in Christ greet you. The churches in Asia Minor. And Greece, greet you, Romans. What this motley crew across the ancient Near East thought mattered more than anything was not their diversity, but what they had in common. Jesus, or Jesus, Jesus. And the, and the eternal blessings that all share who believe in Jesus. There is no other explanation for a gathering like this coming together and then there's like and then okay and what did paul think of these people that he's writing to this motley crew the letter to the romans we know this it's taken us forever to get through this thing because it contains some of the deepest most profound awesome theology and teaching in all of scripture it's just condensed into these 16 chapters and Paul knows that he's writing to this church who's made up also of Gentiles who didn't grow up with the Old Testament. Paul knows he's writing to a church with people who have no formal education. And what Paul does not do, he doesn't water anything down. He does not dumb down the profoundness of the gospel. He's preaching to a bunch of polytheistic pagans and he does not soften the offensiveness of the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This stuff, y'all, it is hard. It is offensive. It is confusing. Okay, and keep going. 
because you're not alone. So it's that thing of keep coming. And you and we together, we will know God and we will know His plan of redemption more and more and more and more. If it, even if it feels like we're inching our way along. The Apostle Paul did not sell his people short. And so the people of the church, we should not sell ourselves short with this profound, awesome gospel. And what does this tell us about Paul himself and the office of apostle? Okay, because this is Paul, and on the one hand, he is a formal child, he, former child prodigy, brilliant, genius-level stuff, like rising star of the Pharisees, a scholar of scholars, but Paul did not just hang out in an ivory tower with, with other theological, philosophical giants. He didn't just hang out with other apostles. He didn't just hang out with other pastors. He's friends. These are his friends, and these, these friends of his, they're average Christians. They're us. You're, you're, if you'd been around at this time, your name could have been here in this letter. These are ordinary people like us. And then on the other hand, Paul was a former murderer and persecutor of the church. And as a Pharisee, he, he was willing to go to the edge of the Roman Empire to arrest Christians, to make them stand trial in order for them to be condemned and put to death. And Paul did not think that he was beyond Jesus' salvation. Paul did not think that Jesus' grace was insufficient for the chief of sinners, which is what Paul called himself. The church always has been, and it will always be made up of and led by broken sinners, messed up people. The church is, is where enemies become family. And thank God Paul ended this so personally because Ro Romans, this letter to the Romans, is not some theological treatise. It's a letter to people. It's God's word to Prisca and Mary and Apelles and Hermes and Olympus. It's God's word to Jew and Gentile, to men and to women, to the powerful and to the slave in the church. And it's God's word to you. I mean, you. Yes, he has gathered you to this church family, and yes, we are one body and we are one temple and we need each other. And you think uh, all those pictures that, that, they, that the scripture gives us of what the church is, all of those images, the body, the temple, the... It's all so personal. All of those pictures are so per a family, a body, a you know, stones built on top of and directly connected to other stones supporting each other. The church is awesome because it's personal, because it's made up of persons, which means this, you are not just another face in the crowd. You are not just a name on some roll. You you, you, I want to name you all by name. You are the beloved. You are God's beloved in Christ Jesus. From all eternity, God the Son had you in mind. And he came down from heaven and he took on flesh in order to live. He came for you to make you his family. And I, I mean this, I mean you. Like you're sitting there, you're thinking, me. He knows all of your thoughts, both conscious and subconscious. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your fears. He knows all of your secrets. He knows you through 
and through and through, and he loves you. That's the crazy part is. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he loves you. He loves you enough personally to have borne all of your sin, every individual sin of yours. He loves you personally enough to bear each of those on the cross. And believing and knowing that about your person, it frees you to believe and know that about the other persons that are here. And it frees you to respond in greetings and to welcome the other people here like someone you are connected to in Christ, like a fellow loved one in Christ. When you, when you read first century historians, when they write about this stuff, they thought the church was crazy. They thought it was a bunch of crazy people. This thing of like a holy kiss between Greeks and Jews, between rich and poor, between master and slave, between men and women, and no one does that. Like they're equals, treating each other like they're family, treating each other like they're friends. It's unheard of. Now I know, I know some of you, you know, as we're talking about this, of this greeting one another in such a sincere way, some of you huggers, you love this. And you're like, you're ready to go. And others of you who bolt for the doors after the service are thinking of bolting right now because of what I'm about to say. Don't, okay? The, like, let's just, let's just point this up. Like, greetings and farewells, which is, this is also a greeting and a farewell. Like, greetings and farewells, this, they can be awkward for everyone, for every kind of person. And I'll just start. Years ago, at the end of one of our kids' birthday parties, uh, Ryan and I are saying farewell and thank you to all of the kids and all of the parents that, that brought theirs to, to celebrate ours. And, you know, towards the end, there's a small group of moms. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Ryan and I are right there. And Ryan knows all of them. And I know three of them. And one of them I kind of know, but I really don't know her. Uh, and, and so we're all saying goodbye. And I hug goodbye those first three. It's like this kind of like assembly line. Like, we're you know, bye, bye, bye. And, and the one is coming up. And I know that one that I really don't know is coming up. Like, I'm starting to think about this. Like, okay, wh- what am I, you know, what do I do when I get to the last one? Do I bye? handshake, side hug, and I just, uh, like, you know, am I going to exclude her and offend her by, like, you know, so Ryan just hugged her, so I go in for the side hug, and she doesn't, And, and so my hand ends up just resting on her shoulder for what felt like five minutes of goodbye as we're saying that thing of, like, thank you so much for coming, oh, it was great to have so-and-so come celebrate, you know, our so-and-so, and I just, you know, thank you, and then you kind of say it again, because you're like, what am I, you know, and then one of my really good friends is behind us, he's just, he can't control it, he's laughing so hard, and he's like, what are you doing, and, uh, and then finally, she wa- I'm waiting for her to walk away, and she finally walks away, and I give her that one little pat on the shoulder, and it's done, it's over, um, okay, yeah, embrace the awkward here. Like, maybe, maybe that's going to happen to you today. If you go in, for the, like, that's, like, embrace the awkward for the sake of one another. Like, for the sake of one another. The point here is we are supposed to sincerely greet each other here like each other is supposed to be here. Because they are. And this is how we experience that thing that each and every one of us is important to God. Because every single person here is You greet each other like that person is of supreme worth to God. 
And it only, it really, it only takes a hello, a handshake, maybe that side hug, eye contact, like eye contact is really big. And I, I know that's, and I'm not, uh, like, I'm not joking this away, I know that's hard, like legitimately hard for some of us. And, because this doesn't mean like sloppy kisses and, uh, you know, bearing your deepest, darkest secrets every week. That's, Paul's not saying that. Uh, but it, even a, for those of us, this is so hard, a nod, a smile, that eye contact, that communicates, that acknowledges another person's existence, and not just their existence, their belonging here, that communicates that togetherness that we are in Christ together. And we're happy for it, and we're glad for it, and we're grateful for it. You know, however we greet, welcome, bid farewell, it's got to be sincere from that sincere belief that we belong with each other here because of Jesus. There's this guy, Judas Iscariot. He was someone pretending to be close to Jesus who was not close to Jesus. And he betrayed Jesus with a kiss, a signal to the authorities of who to arrest. And, and we, we rightly hate that. And yet, we've all done it. You know, we've all done that betrayal of a kiss to our Lord. Uh, and maybe even... Uh, just, Maybe even now, if we're just going to be brutally honest, maybe even now as we've been singing to him, listening to his word, we're thinking about doing something later that he would hate. But then, that's not where we stay. Sometime before Judas's betrayal, there was this other person, Jesus was invited to a dinner party at a Pharisee's house, and uh, an uninvited guest crashes the party. It's a woman, and it's a woman who's described as a woman of the city who was a sinner. So it just means she's a woman of ill repute in that town. And she comes in, and she sits at Jesus' feet, and she starts to cry. She starts to, she starts to bawl her eyes out, uh, and she's crying all over Jesus' feet. And then she lets down her hair, and then she starts cleaning Jesus' dirty, nasty feet. Jesus would say that about his own feet, okay? It, like, gross, like dirty, nasty feet. She's, she's washing them with her, her tears and her hair. And, and everyone, the Pharisee and the guests that are looking at this, and they're saying, like, do they know each other? And Jesus looks at the Pharisee, and he says, yeah, yeah, look at this woman. Like, when I came in here as your guest, you didn't bother to greet me. You, you, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. You didn't greet me with uh, a kiss. You didn't anoint my head with oil. None of the cultural norms. She has washed my feet. Uh, she has anointed me with oil. She's now kissing my feet. And do you want to know why she's doing it? And he says, these are his, he says, those who have been forgiven a lot love a lot. And those who have been, been forgiven little, they love little. Those who at the end of the day think the mercy that I need today for myself is nothing lavish. Therefore, what I give to you will not be lavish. But not here. Not in the church. Because at the end of the day, we think the mercy that I need today for myself, it is lavish beyond lavish and therefore what i give to you it will be lavish believe remember again today that you are a sinner saved by grace 
and so is the person sitting next to you and across from you. In the love we have from God, believing that gospel, the love that we have from God, we will give back to God. And, and the love and the grace and the mercy we believe that we have from God, that's what we'll give to other people. The people here. The people that come through those doors. The people that God gathers to us to love. Let's pray. And Father, that your love and prayer and to make that love known to each other through our love for one another. Father, that, that you would bless us here, that as you that you would continue to give us that love that we can give to one another, to any who walk through those doors, to any that you gather to this communion. Lord, and all for the praise of your love and your grace and your mercy. Uh, we pray this all uh, for Christ's glory. In his name we pray. Amen.